Well, for pastors, Christmas can be a time of pressure because you feel pressure to come up with a special and unique Christmas message. It's like, how can I top last year or the year before that? And, and, and it just the pressure gets on you to do that. And I've, I'm a human. I try not to do that, but just I can feel it from you guys. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding you tonight. I want to I want to talk to you about I want to talk to your hearts tonight, and and the, what kind of came to me is is a, a saying I heard as I was growing up and as a child. My my mother used to say this to me. I think I don't remember where I heard it from, so I'll attribute it to her. And that is um, the best things come in small packages. Now that's a saying I've heard a number of times, and I suspect it may have been invented by a a young woman who was having dinner with their boyfriend and she saw a little package in his pocket and was hoping that in that package was a diamond ring. And so, uh, but I looked it up and there's a, there's a website out there that has English idioms, not idiots, idioms, and it really is an idiom. Small things, good things come in small packages. And that was kind of what was in my heart as I began to, to think about what to talk about with you tonight. And as I thought about, about that, about packages, this is a time when, you know, I don't know if you've wrapped all your packages or not, or you're scurry home to wrap. I was telling the, my kids today that um, uh, <laughs> when I was practicing law in law school, in Bo- not in Boston, in Boston I, uh, I would begin my Christmas shopping about two on Christmas Eve. And I would go into Filene's, which was there, and I couldn't imagine why there was not a lot of choices there, because I'm starting at two in the afternoon, and I know I'm ahead of some people that hadn't started yet. And I've learned to get over that. I've learned to go past that. But packages is what are under the tree, and packages can be deceiving. We judge packages, and as a child, you know, my thinking was, the bigger the package, the greater the gift. Well, I used to do something with my kids when they were all living at home, and I would play games with them with packages. So I would wrap small things in big packages, or some big things I would put clues in small packages, and then hide clues throughout the house, and they would go on a treasure hunt. And part of this really is that it's hard to judge the value of a present by the outward appearance. It's hard to judge the value of the present. In fact, the real value of the present isn't the size It's the value to you of what's on the inside. First of all, the value of what it was to the person that gave it to you, but also the value of what it is to you who is receiving it. Those of you who are fathers and on Father's Day tend to get these boxes which are long and narrow and thin. (laughs) Yeah, I heard some yups over there. You know, and we, 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 we already know what's inside of it. And it's going to join the other collection of Father's Day ties that I have on my back of my closet, which I wear certain times of year to honor my children that gave it to me. But I don't really rush in my heart to open the package. I do it because I love the child. And my kids really never do a lot of that. But that's true for a lot of fathers. And, but the point is this, when you anticipate what's in the package, it can affect your attitude towards opening, opening that package. And so that's what I want to talk to you tonight about, small, uh, small packages. Tomorrow we're going to celebrate a gift that God has given to us, given to each of us. 
this gift arrived over 2,000 years ago. And this gift arrived in a package about this big. And I don't know, maybe six, eight, ten pounds, we don't know, the Bible doesn't tell us. This package, this gift from God came in a package. And it had two arms and two legs. It was a little baby. And we talked about this Sunday. God gave the greatest gift that He could give to us. But it came in this little package. And we know today as we look back, we know who that little baby was and is today. We knew what he was, know what he was going to grow up to, but they didn't know that back then. Oh yes, Mary had had an angel appear to her, and that's a dramatic event. But if you've had or had some supernatural event occur, those kind of, the memories of those kind of fade. And it says she pondered those things in her heart, but even later on, she wasn't totally sure who he was. Because they're human. I mean, time tends to, you know, you've got to realize the angels didn't appear to her every day. You know, Moses didn't have God appearing to him every day. Uh, uh, Abraham didn't have God speaking to him every day. There were years between those experiences and memories fade. And so that night in that stable, when this little package was brought into the world, not very many people recognized it. Oh, we had shepherds who showed up, and, and, but they had a supernatural invitation because they had angels appear to them and, and say dramatic things. And, and, and so they showed up, and, and at this presenting of the present, there was at some point after that three older people that showed up. We call them the wise men, the magi. And they showed up, and they didn't understand exactly what it was that was given. And of course, there were animals there was not exactly the most glorious time of presentation of a gift. A little tiny package. I want to talk to you tonight about what was in that package and what that package means to us today. Because so many people in the world today, so many people since that package arrived have overlooked it, have not paid much attention to it have certainly not valued that package, the gift that was in that package, because it came in very ordinary form. It came small. It didn't come in a castle. It didn't come with flashy paper and flashy lights. It came in a stable to a young teenage couple who nobody knew except their family and their parents and those in the community where they lived. Nobody knew them worldwide. Oh yes, we heard tonight there were prophecies that told about the coming of this gift. But it's this little package that this present from God arrives in. Was delivered in the most humble and insignificant location. Was delivered to a very humble couple. Very poor couple. And there was nothing about this package in itself to indicate its worth. I mentioned Sunday and I'm if you've been around here long, you understand this, that there was no halo around his head. You know, We see that in the old pictures of him to indicate that this was the holy child of Jesus. But there was no halo around him. He was just like any, looked just like any other baby. Just like any other plain package brought into the world and presented to his parents. But this package wasn't just presented to his parents. This package was a gift from God presented to all of mankind presented to the world. And to look at that package that night, it would be very hard to understand the value and the worth of what was in this little 
package. Because as he grew, and he had to grow and mature just like the rest of us have had to grow and mature. The first few years of his life was spent in Egypt hiding from Herod who was out to kill him and destroy him. Because Herod just knew there was a threat out there. He didn't really understand who he was. So they had to go, and, then, and when Herod was died, the angel brought them back, and they settled down, and his father began the normal business of being a carpenter, and this young package began to grow, as all the rest of us have grown, into a young boy, and then into a young man, and apprenticed under his father, and grew up among his siblings, among his, his classmates in Hebrew school, and among his friends in the, in the community, and among the synagogue members as he was brought into the synagogue. He grew up as an exceptional young boy, but nothing about that boy indicated in itself who he was. Because you see, at that point, he didn't perform any miracles. He was perfect in the sense that he was righteous, but he wasn't a weird kid, I don't believe. He was normal in the sense that he was relatable, he was real, he was human, even though he was God in the flesh. But then at 30 years of age, he comes at the appointed time to the Jordan River to submit to the process of baptism under John the Baptist. And at that point, God releases his spirit, and he comes down from heaven and fills this vessel with his presence from heaven. And now he began his public ministry and his value began to shine now and to begin to come forth. I think of a verse in Hebrews. They won't have it to put up there, but it's a verse in Hebrews. I've mentioned it several times over the last few weeks. In Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, it talks about this gift of God. And it, and it says that he is, the, he is in the, literally in the Greek, it said he is the outshining of God's glory, the exact representation of his nature, and hope holds all things through the word of his power. John says about him that when he, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, he was full of grace and full of truth. This gift that God gave to mankind of the ultimate sacrifice of his love was a gift that came in a package that even when this package walked among men, very few recognized him for who he was. Very few recognized and valued that gift. And by and large, those that did were not people of education. By and large, those that did were not people of power. By and large, those that did were not people of influence. He came to everybody, but it was the poor often. It was those that knew they were in need. Those that knew that their lives were broken. Those that Jesus at one point says to the Pharisees, He said, he said you have no need of a physician. The, the, those that are well have no need of a physician. But I have come for those that are sick. Those that have a need. And although He brought he, physical healing to those that were sick, to a greater degree He came to bring a greater, more powerful, more important healing to those that were sick on the inside, those that were hurting, those that were lost, those that were lonely, those that were broken. He came unto His own, it says in John chapter 1. The Jews and His own knew Him not. They rejected Him. And so He went, eventually went to the Gentiles. This is a gift. I want to talk to you about this gift. This is a gift that lasts for eternity. Many of us will get gifts or give gifts tomorrow. I remember gifts as a child. 
My mother, we had six boys, five boys. I just increased our family by one. We had five boys. And by the time we were done Christmas morning, there was paper all over the place. There were little plastic cars, although most of them weren't plastic, they were metal. There were cars all over the... It was a mess and a disaster. And some of those presents before the day were over were broken. (laughs) Some of them didn't last through the day. Most of them didn't last through the year. But for the moment they were exciting, for the moment they were fulfilling, for the moment they satisfied a need, but they really didn't last. And now that I'm in my 70s, I don't have any of those gifts anymore. And they don't do me any good anymore. But this gift that God gave, this gift lasts for an eternity, not just your life. This lasts for an eternity. Not only that, this gift doesn't get old. It doesn't run out of energy. This gift grows and increases in your life. I received this gift 41 years ago, and this gift has more meaning to me tonight than it's ever had in my whole life. And there's no limit to what this gift came to do for you. This was God's gift to do for you. So what is this gift, and what is the purpose of this gift? This gift, of course, is Jesus, the Son of God that was born in that little package. God's purpose in giving this gift was to meet every need that you have in your life. To meet every need, every longing that you have in your life. Contained in this gift is true peace. You may be here tonight and there's not peace in your life. I'm not, peace is not just an absence of conflict. The peace that the Bible talks about is a different kind of peace. We pray for world peace and people look for world peace and that's just for everybody to stop fighting each other. But there's an inner peace that we long for. You can have peace outwardly and not have inward peace. When I was a lawyer before I received Christ, I, we, had, we had a good income, I had a wonderful family, had a beautiful house. I had everything outwardly you could, could imagine and could want to give you peace. But I didn't have peace on the inside. There was an emptiness inside of me. I, I remember, I can still remember, I would come to Sunday night and, and we'd get, I didn't have any, we didn't have any children then. I was just out of law school and, and, I, and we'd get, be getting into bed and I'd be looking at the agenda for the week and this thought would hit me. Another week of my life has gone through my fingers and I'll never get it back again. And this very slight fear would begin to grip me. And, and I'm 25 years old, and I realize my life is passing away. I can never get it back again. But when you're 25, you can dismiss it. Well, okay, I've got many years left. And you just kind of let it go. But, but, and I would forget it the rest of the week. And, but that next same point, next Sunday night, that same thought was there. And now another week had passed. Another week had passed. No peace. In Luke 2, we read that the angels came and to announce the giving of this gift, the angels came and appeared to the shepherds and announced, and we know we quote it as to be peace on earth, but it's not what it says. It says peace towards the earth. God was announcing peace between himself and mankind through this gift. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul talks about that God through Christ, God brought Christ to reconcile the world to himself, to bring peace 
between... See, God's not angry at the world today. God's not angry at you. It doesn't matter who you are, what you're done. God poured His anger out on this gift that He gave in your place. So this gift came to give us peace. John, in John 14, 27 says, "In, in, In me you have peace. Peace I leave you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives you. See, the peace Christ came to give us is not a peace you can get from the world. It's not a peace you can get from your job. It's not a peace you can get from other people. It's a peace that has to come to you from God, the one who created you and the one who made you. So this gift given in this little package came to bring to us a true peace. The Bible calls it a peace that passes understanding. Secondly, this gift came to bring us joy. We sang joy to the world. The Bible teaches us that there's a difference between joy and happiness. Happiness is based on your circumstances. So in order to be happy, we have to have happy circumstances in our life. But joy is something that comes out of the heart. Joy is a fruit of our heart. And joy is not something you can create for yourself. True joy can only come from God. And God gave us in the gift of His Son the gift of joy. A joy. We sang joy to the world. The angels announced also in Luke chapter 2 that the birth was to bring great joy of good tidings. In John chapter 15, verse 11, Jesus promises them His joy. These things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. So He came to give us His joy. The Bible says, in the presence of the Lord is fullness of joy. And thirdly, this gift that God gave in this little package came to give us life. Now it's not life the way you and I think of life. We think of life as biological life. We're alive as long as you're breathing you have life. But when the Bible talks about life, it's not talking about that kind of life. It's talking about life at the level that God lives at it. God lives at a level of life that's so far above and beyond what you and I and the world considers life. But that life has been... God sent His Son, it says in John chapter 10, that we might have life and life more abundantly. This kind of life animates you on the inside. This kind of life, when you get up in the morning, you get up ready to face your day because this life comes from the inside out. It's not based on circumstances. It's not based on whether your wife liked you this morning. It's not based on whether the toast was burnt. It's not based on whether you have a job or don't have a job. It's not based on whether you're all alone or whether you're surrounded by people. It's not based on anything else except what God has put in your heart for you. His life. His life. And this gift when He grew up and walked around, walked among us, this gift radiated out of Him. This gift that people early on in His walk, public walk in ministry, His own hometown, the people tried to kill Him. They tried to throw Him off a cliff and the life of God in Him when He walked through them caused them to part. 
This kind of life walked on water. This kind of life was not stopped by storms or circumstances. This kind of life brought healing to those that were sick. This kind of life brought people to Him. People were drawn to Him. People that might never come to church, people that might never sit and talk to you were drawn to Him. This always touches me how it was the, it was the sinners, the tax collectors, the sinners, the down and outers that would come, those that you think would never want to come and be in God's presence would come and sit at His feet and listen to what He had to say because He didn't speak to them condemnation. He didn't speak to them judgment. He brought to give them the life of God. In John chapter 4, we're not going to read down through it because of time. John chapter 4 is one of the most, uh, one of my favorite stories in the Bible. It's a story of Jesus, this gift of God we're talking about. And, and he's, he's on his way, I think it's from Jerusalem up to Galilee or the other way around. But to go th- from one end of the country to another, they had to pass through an area called Samaria. The Samaritans were people that were half Jew and half Gentile. And as a result, they were hated by the Jews. And of course, if you're a race that's hated by another race, you'll hate them right back again. So they hated each other. They wouldn't talk to each other. And Jesus stops in this city, Sychar, and he sends the disciples into the city to go to buy some food. And of course, they went to Chick-fil-A because... It's a more godly place to go to. And no, I'm just joking. <laughs> so that, so, and it's chicken. So they go, they go to get some food, and Jesus waited there. Now it's noontime, and this woman comes up from the city, and she comes with her water pot, and she comes alone. And when, we're not going to take the time tonight, but if you read down through the, the story, you see why. Because the other women of the city would come out first thing in the morning, and most likely they would come out together chatting about their lives and, you know, what's happened the day before. And then they'd fill their water pots up and they would go back because you need the water for the day. But this woman came when nobody else would come. Why? Because of her reputation. See, we find out in the story she's already had five husbands. Now, hopefully none of you are in that situation, but, but you begin to draw conclusions about somebody after they get past four, that maybe there's a relationship issue there. At the very least, how would she feel? She's tried five times at a marriage relationship, and they've all failed. Now, we don't know what's happened to them. And the one she's living with now isn't her husband. So she's given up. So already she's an outcast of her society because she's had five husbands. And now she's living in sin. Isn't it interesting who this package came to meet? A woman who's living in sin whose life has fallen apart. And he's waiting there. And she comes to him. And she doesn't come to him. She comes to draw water. And I'm sure she was very cautious of him. And he opens the conversation with her and he says, Woman, would you please give me some water? That was an astounding thing because first of all, a male could not speak to an unaccompanied female in that culture. Secondly, he was a Jew and she's a Samaritan and they didn't talk to each other. But this isn't just a Jew. This is God in a package 
being delivered to this woman who's an outcast, a failure, a living in sin. And she answers him and she brings him water and he said, Woman, if you knew who it was that asked you for water, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And she doesn't quite understand what he means and she said, First of all, how are you going to get living water out of here? You don't even have anything to draw it out. And he said, Woman, you don't understand. What I have to give you is not just the water, but if you come to me, I will give you not just the water, but the gift I have for you, the gift I have for you will become a fountain of water springing up to eternal life. And then they have more of a conversation. And then she's obviously received this because it changes her. This living water, think about what water does. Water is absolutely essential for life. We can go without food for 40 days or so, but you can't go without water for more than three or so days. Your body needs water. It is like 80 or 90% water. It has to have water. So water represents something absolutely essential just to live, but it's more than that. It satisfies our thirst. We try to satisfy our natural thirst with so many other things like sweet drinks and other kinds of like things. But the only thing that really satisfies you so you don't need to drink more again is simply pure water. So the life He was to give her was to satisfy every inner need that she had down deep in her heart. My question for you tonight is do you have that inner peace? In the middle of whatever turmoil may be going on in your life, whether it's short term with Christmas preparations, or maybe it's longer term because there's health issues in your life, or there's serious relationship issues, or there's issues with your children, or or family issues, or maybe it's finances, or it's your job. It's the pressure of life, and we're living in a very pressured world right now, a world that's very dark, a world that's very dangerous. Do you have that deep inner peace in your heart tonight? Or are you using things to try to hide the fact that you're really not at peace? Are you trying to be so busy with music and noise and things so that you don't ever have to be quiet and hear that there's no peace in you? I remember one night when I was a young father, we had our oldest children my wife and, had, and I had had one of our intense discussions. <laughs> it was so intense, I stormed out of the house furious. Obviously, she was right and I was wrong because we've made it through 52 years. See, that's how I made it through 52 years. She was right and I was wrong. <laughs> I stormed out of the house and it was a night where it snowed and the snow had just stopped and I don't know, it was about five or six inches, so nothing was moving. And it was late at night, and it was freezing cold. I can still see it. And I walked for, for several blocks until I began to cool off. And as I cooled off, I realized how cold it was because I went out without a coat. That's how hot I was. And then I realized how still it was. And then I realized how empty I was on the inside. 
I was emptier on the inside than the atmosphere was around me on the outside. And that's when I began to realize something was wrong in my life. But I had to be still. I had to be quiet. I had to get away from everything to see what's going. Are you running away from what's going on the inside of you? Then you may lack that peace. Do you have joy? Joy is not dependent on the circumstances. Is there joy in your heart when you get up in the morning? Is there joy when you face difficult situations? Do people drawn to you for the joy that you have that's coming out of you? Joy to the world. Do you have that kind of joy in you? And finally, do you have that kind of life? Are you living that kind of life? Life at that level that God's living it, Christ lived at it. Then I know people that live at that life. You want to be around them. They're just alive on the inside. It has nothing to do with their circumstances. Are you experiencing that kind of life? Well, the good news I have for you is this little package that grew up to walk on this earth, grew up to go to a cross for you and for me, grew up to be raised from the dead to bring us this newness of life. That package is available tonight for you. That package has been offered to everyone. But here's the thing with packages. First of all, they have to be given. This package has already been given. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. God has given this package to you. But a package has to be received. It has to be accepted. It has to be taken and received as mine in order for you to be able to experience the blessings and the, the value of the gift that's inside of that. But beyond that, you can receive gifts, but they still have to be opened in order to be enjoyed. <laughs> There's a popular Christmas movie with Ralphie and the Red Ryder BB gun. As those boys tear through the packages and they get the pajamas that look like a rabbit and, the, and they, they open them and they just go like this, all right? They've opened them but then received them. They're not enjoying them. So tonight there may be some among us you've never received this package that God has given to you in Christ. This package that God wants you to enjoy in your life of that kind of peace, real deep inner peace, that kind of joy that's contagious, and especially that kind of life, His life flowing in you and flowing through you. There may be some here tonight, you've received that package. Maybe you're like me, you received it years ago. You've received it. And maybe you've opened it, but you're not enjoying it. You're not experiencing the blessings and the benefit of it. As I look back on this year, I, I look back and I realize one of the great transformations in my life this year, more than any other year except the year that I accept Christ, is my personal relationship with Him has gone to bounds it's never been before. 
He's more real to me today, not just on Sunday morning and in getting ready for Sunday, but first thing in the morning when I get up. He's with me more. I'm more aware of His intimate presence with me as I face situations and decisions, as I face certain difficult challenges in my life. I don't face them alone anymore. I don't face them scared anymore. So if you're here tonight, you've never received this gift. I want to challenge you tonight to do something bold. You have to receive the gift. The Bible calls it the gift of eternal life. It says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever would believe in Him would not perish, but would have everlasting life. Everlasting doesn't refer to how long. It refers to the kind of life that God has. So in a minute, I'm going to ask all of us to bow our heads. In fact, let's do it right now. And I'm going to pray. And if you're here tonight and you've, you've never received this gift of Christ, all I'm going to ask you to do while heads are bowed, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand so that God can see that you want to receive the gift of His Son. He paid dearly. He paid dearly so that you could have this gift tonight. So if you've never received this gift, I want to pray for you. Maybe you're someone who's received the gift before, but, and you've opened it, but you're really not enjoying this gift. It's not real to you. I want to pray for you tonight also. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, my eyes are closed too. This is just between you and God. Father, I pray tonight, you know every person here. You know the place of their heart. You know the issues of their life. You know the challenges. You know what's going on deep down inside. And you love them so much. You want to satisfy and fill up every need in their heart tonight by your loving presence in your Son. So, Father, tonight I pray for anyone tonight that's never received you, your Son, that you would give them the boldness just to raise your hand. So right now, between you and God, if that's you, I just ask you to slip your hand up. And then we're going to all pray a prayer together. I'm going to give you another moment. I'm not looking. No one's looking. This is just between you and God, your Father. Let's all say this prayer together. Father.